1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Now, you preached on storms this morning, didn't you? Yeah. You didn't get to record it because it didn't have service up there. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Let me get settled around here. I am not sick. I don't know why I get allergy or get something. And I just got to coughing and then, you know, you ever get choked and then you sneeze. Do y'all do that? Everything connected to everything else. I don't know. Uh, anyway, chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Now, Paul in this first half, of the, or first part of this chapter, he makes a great emphasis on the fact that he's not trying to impress people with his great knowledge. He says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's saved, there's except. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I'm not sure I have a complete, detailed understanding of the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. I think I know a little bit about it, but at any rate, but all that so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's kind of what I was preaching this morning. Is anybody going to help? Who can? And who will? If you will, you can't. Ultimately, our help doesn't come from man. We can get temporal, immediate help on certain things. But our help, look unto, the psalmist said, look unto the hills from whence cometh our help. <laughs> look where God is. That's where it comes. That's where our help comes from. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. And we, uh, people say, ain't nobody cares about me. Well, they may not. I don't know. Uh, you may, you may be, you may be one that nobody cares about. And there are people that get in that shape here. You think about old people in a nursing home; they got no family left. I look around. I, I you know, I see. My wife has told me for some time that I know far more people in the cemetery than I do out here. <laughs> and I say, some of you have the same experience. You drive by this tomb, say, I know them, I know that family, yeah, I know, I remember them, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's just the way it is. I mean, and when you, everybody's gone. You see some in nursing homes, they live to be way up there. They don't have any family, so nobody comes see them. There ain't nobody that knows them. That's what happens. But even those people, Look unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Uh, he said, I'll set the Lord always at my right hand. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What a blessing that is. All right. So, 
Howbeit, verse 6, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, mature, perfect, complete in Christ. That's who we speak wisdom on. Those who know the Lord. You can't talk everything with everybody. They don't know what you're talking about. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to nothing. Well, they're getting ready for a, an, a, a coronation. I start to say ordination. No, coronation of the king, King Charles in England. And boy, it's going to be a big deal. It will be. And they say that when that's going on, if we break out in war, nobody report it. They're going to report on the king. It's that important. Uh, that's what they say. But then, I mean, I don't know how the king, how long the king's going to live, but he, even when he's going to die too. You know, they all go. Anyway, and so they're the princes of this world that come to nothing. I mean, do you remember... You can go into the history books and you can find all of the past kings and queens of England. You can, you can find them all. But the only reason you'd know anything at all about them or even their existence is because they're recorded in the history book. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't know them. I wouldn't either. Nobody, they got no family left. I mean, if you got my double great, 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 great grandfather. Well, you got nobody ever knew him. You don't, you, you, when we're gone, we're gone. So I want to leave a legacy. Well, it won't last long, I'll guarantee you that. You look out there at the cemetery, at Lexington Cemetery, and that fellow that owned, that owned all the Christian radio sta stations. I can't remember his name now. He's got a, my, what a, anybody ever seen that? That, uh, you know, but way back in the back, and you go on the right. I mean, you got a big horseshoe drive. It's all hedges and trees and all, and monuments and just tremendous place. I don't see many people back there. When I drive back there, I don't see anybody in there. He left what a monument, what to himself and all that. And I don't know. I'm not bad mouthing him. I don't know. He had plenty of money. I forgot his name. I used to know what it was, but I forgot it. Uh, how much of a legacy can we leave? Our immediate legacy, we leave with our, our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, if you know them. But that legacy ought to be the Lord, the Word of God. That ought to be the legacy. Now, you might, last, might not last, but it will. Thy Word, O Lord, is settled forever in heaven. Anyway, so... But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Not that it can't be revealed, it is revealed. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Well, we know that. That mystery has been re revealed in the word of God. Now which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, oh, well, you mean that could have been avoided? Been avoided. No, no, that's not what he's saying. If they had known it and truly known it, they wouldn't have crucified him. If they had known what they should have known, 
But we find out a little later they couldn't have known it. They didn't know it, couldn't have known it. Uh, so, but now verse 9, we love this verse. As it is written. Now, where would that be written? Uh, let's read it first. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now look back at Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64. Yeah, here it is. Verse 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. So when Paul said, for it, as it is written, possibly he's referring to Isaiah 64. There's a couple other verses he could have been referring to, but I think that's the main one that he was referring to, written in the Old Testament. So <clears throat> this is not New Testament truth. This is the truth of God. All right, so we can't know the fullness of what God's prepared. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And I, uh, John 14. What kind of a place? Well, we won't know now. But it's beyond anything I've ever seen. Beyond anything I've ever heard. And beyond anything I've ever thought about. I think that's what he's saying there. It's way beyond. One time old sister asked me if I knew a song. Uh, what was her name? It was just saying all that. Huh? Yeah. <coughs> she came up to me. She said, Brother Gun, do you know how beautiful heaven must be? I said, no, ma'am, but I've heard it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. But anyway, <laughs> I like that song. We haven't sung it in a while. Anyway, no, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. He said, oh, boy. That's very divisive there. Yeah. Them that love him. What about them that don't love him? They don't have that promise. Uh, well, that's very divisive because it separates people. It's not inclusive. Well, you don't find much inclusiveness in the Bible. It's pretty much bifurcated two one on one side and one on the other now we don't know what's there to the nth degree 
But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. Well, we go through the book of Revelation. I know they say they say it's just symbolic, but we believe it's more than symbolic. And we believe that you can see, well, especially chapters four and five, things going on in heaven as we speak. Uh, so God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. What well, his spirit inspired the word, word of God to be written, the book of Revelation. And so that's how he revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Well, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save or accept again. Accept, what verse am I on? Verse 11. This, no, where did I miss that? I missed my verse. Verse 11. My long, yeah, say, yeah, there it is. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't help to be half blind. I, I can really, I, I can really identify with blind beggar Bartimaeus that I preached on this morning. I really, I wasn't not blind as he is, but I'm getting there. Anyway, uh, except the spirit of man, which is in him, the things that a man knows, he knows. From the flesh, from his spirit. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but by the Spirit of God. I can't reveal them to you, and nobody else can. Only the Spirit of God can. So, God uses human instrumentality, He uses preachers, He uses teachers, He uses witnesses, He uses people talking to one another about the Lord. But ultimately, if you know anything from God, it came from God. Amen. <clears throat> now, we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. For now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Well, that would even include that hope of verse 9. Yeah. What things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Well, in John 3... When Jesus talked to Nicodemus, that which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which is of the spirit is spirit. You cannot do a fleshly work to accomplish a spiritual means, an end. Can't be done. But these, I see in these big monstrosities of Religious businesses. You look at the guys that play music in them. They look like they're at the local rock concert. I'm the hair down to the waist and the clothes they wear. 
and the screaming and carrying on. That's not spiritual. And you can't, you can't arrive at a spiritual position by listening to that. <clears throat> Just won't work. So, uh, the Holy Ghost, what the, which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You got to have spiritual things to learn spiritual things. It's the only way it works. But the natural man, that's the unregenerate man, the Adamic nature man, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. You can't teach spirituality of any sort to a non-spiritual person. It just won't work. Now, do we have to address non-spiritual people? Yeah, if we're going to preach the gospel to every creature, we have to. But understand this. You'll not get through to them unless the Lord does a work of grace in them. And opens up their heart and opens up their eyes. What did the Lord do for Lydia in the book of Acts? Whose heart the Lord opened. Uh, Brother Dave was talking about the thief on the cross this morning. What happened to him? He started out just like the other thief. They both were railing at Jesus. Casting aspersions on him. Casting these things in his teeth. If he be what he claims to be, let him get himself down and us also. But something happened to one of them. Uh, and it wasn't a big evangelist came by. They didn't sing 180 verses of Just As I Am. That may be an exaggeration, but not a whole lot of exaggeration. Nothing like that happened to him. Nothing happened from himself. He couldn't do anything. His hands are nailed. His feet are nailed. He can't go anywhere. He can't do anything. Ain't nobody talking to him. Ain't nobody doing anything for him. He couldn't do anything for himself. Nobody else could do anything for him. But he had a complete change of heart. And that's because the Lord spoke to him. Did a work of grace in him. And now, what he could not see, what he could not understand, just like the other one, now he sees it clearly and understands it implicitly. And so he says, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, when thou comest into thy kingdom, not if. What's this guy hanging on a cross claiming he's a king and he's got a kingdom? That can't be. But now the thief on the cross didn't think like that. He did, but he doesn't now. Now his thinking's been totally changed. What's happened? Well, the Lord's done a work of grace in him. He now is spiritual. He has spiritual 
capabilities about him. And so the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Well, if you're thinking just from the flesh, you'd be thinking like the other thief. Here's this guy claims he's a king, and here he is dying a death we are. Claims he's got a kingdom. He don't even have his own clothes. That's foolish talk. That's where they're thinking. You would be too. But the other thief on the cross is not thinking like that now. He says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. I said, Nicodemus didn't even know that. He couldn't even understand that. That was foolishness unto him. And neither can he know them. Can speaks of his ability. He has no ability to understand these things. So when somebody comes along that's got a list of degrees out on his name, M-A, B-A, T-H-E, B, Ph.D., got all of them, all of them. That does not qualify him to expound the Bible. People think it does. Many of these big Southern Baptist churches and others have got plenty of money. They demand a, a preacher that's got a Ph.D. degree. Uh, Harold Bratcher was a missionary in Brazil for years out of Baptist Faith Missions, independent Baptist. He first started out, his whole family was Southern Baptist. They wouldn't send him on the mission field. You know why? Because his wife didn't have a degree. If you're going to go out as a missionary at Southern Baptist Convention, not only do you have to have a, at least I think a master, but I think you have to have a, have to have a doctor's degree. And your wife has to have a minimum of a bachelor's degree. A four-year college degree. Well, I don't know where they got that in the Bible. Somehow I think that they didn't get it out of the Bible. Or they got it plumb out of the Bible. Way out. Uh, now I'm telling you that's the truth I'm telling you about, about him and I'm sure that's still but all of the degrees in the world do not qualify you I listened to a, a debate the other day with uh, Jason Lyle and uh, Hugh Ross Hugh Ross is a he's a legitimate uh, astrophysicist you can hardly say that, but he is one of them. A very smart man, got the degrees. But he claims to be a, a Christian. And yet he says that the Bible teaches that the world is billions of years old and God used evolution of some, of some sort uh, to get us to where we are. Well, he's a smart man. He can tell you all about this constellation and that one. 
and what that nebula's doing and where this and all that. He can tell you all about that, and I can't keep up with that. Don't take, don't take long to lose me on that. I have to refer back to Star and Beverly on, on all that astro stuff that we, they learned it better than I have from the Creation Museum. Uh, but that doesn't qualify him to speak on the Bible. He destroys the Bible. He says he, he upholds it, but he does not. He destroys it. But all that, all that human qualification does not qualify you to be a spiritual teacher of the Word of God. Now, verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Let's back up there a little bit, verse uh, 15. But he that is spiritual. Anybody ever heard of Lewis, Sperry, Chafer or Schaefer, C-H-A-F-E-R? Uh, he was at Dallas Theological Seminary for a long time. And he wrote a set of books and people really liked him. A lot of people did. Brother Brown didn't like him. B.B. Warfield didn't like him. He said, you're, as a Christian, you're either a carnal Christian or a spiritual Christian. Two distinct classes. Well, the truth of the matter is, every child of God has a carnality about them. And a spirituality. Because we're two people. We have our old individual and our new individual. And there is a constant warfare between them. No Christian or believer has ever gotten to where he or she was totally spiritual. Can't do it. Because read what Paul said in Romans 7. Because the flesh is always with you. Now, do we have some spiritual bright spots about us through our lives? Yes. If you don't, you're not saved. But do we ever completely pass from carnal, that means fleshly, to spiritual? And the answer is absolutely not. So his whole thesis is absolutely heresy. Uh, we don't have two classes of Christians. We have Christians that have carnality about them and spirituality about them. And that's our battle, and we all need to understand that. We're never going to leave that battle because the old man or woman is always there and will be until they carry you out feet first. And then you that are saved. To be absent from the body. Is to be present with the Lord. And this old body goes back to the dust. From which it came. Awaiting sleeping. Until the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ. And when he blows that trumpet. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive. Shall meet him in the air. And then shall we ever be with the Lord comfort you one another with these truths 
And then will we throw off this sinful flesh to pick it up no more. When we're resurrected, we will be body, soul, and spirit converted to the Lord. And we'll be spiritual then. Anyway, so, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, because God judges you. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? We don't. And that's what a lot of folks try to do, get into the mind of the Lord. What we need to do is read what he has given us, and what he has taught us, revealed to us, go on that. Just leave the mind of God alone when you can't get in there. As the fellow said, Mr. Spurgeon, if I believed election like you believed it, he said, I'd just preach to the elect. He said, that's fine. He said, you tag them and I'll preach to them. The only way you know the elect is when they do what God said his elect would do. They repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ, and we must go with what we have. And then chapter 3, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, what was wrong with these Corinthian brethren? They hadn't grown. They hadn't matured. So he said, I've got to back up and speak to you as babes in Christ because you're still walking in the flesh and not in the spirit at all. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Well, the difference there. Now, of course, now see, that's kind of metaphoric and even call it symbolic, so it doesn't mean anything. That's what they're talking about, didn't it? When they talk about spiritual, about symbolic and all that. Well, this is not milk and it's not meat. So he's making a comparison. It's a metaphor. Milk is what you feed babies. <laughs> Oh, some grown-ups like it too. But <laughs> Anyway. You can't feed a little baby meat to choke on it. I guess as he gets a little older and with his baby food, if you puree it, I guess you can chop it up fine enough. You could feed a little bit to them as it goes along, but it's just very slow. So I fed you with milk, something that's easy to swallow, easy to digest, and it won't choke you. You won't get hurt on it. So I fed you with milk and not with meat. For a hitherto, that means up till now, you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. So you haven't been able to, to swallow any meat, take any meat. 
more serious doctrine. You had to have simple things. And said, you still haven't gotten there. I've still got to give you. So you can take a bunch of people that have never been taught or they haven't grown. And you can choke them to death with doctrine. You can. Give them stuff they can't. They have no way of understanding. That's why you don't want to do that. You don't want to preach that kind of stuff to a bunch of lost people that you know the lost people. You want to give them something that they could they could handle, but it still has to be given to them of the Lord. Anyway, whereas there is among you, you are yet carnal, fleshly. For whereas there is among you envy, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Because all of these things are going on here in this church, envy, strife, and divisions, that proves my point, what I'm saying, that you're yet babes in Christ and you haven't grown any and you can't take meat. And so he says, for while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal or fleshly for even saying that? Even thinking like that. See, uh, our words reveal us. I've, I've had people say things and I said, boy, I'll tell you what. If I even thought that, I'd keep it to myself. I'd be ashamed to say that. When I first came here, we had a great big youth fellowship here. At that time, you had a lot of fellowship around Lexington, around Fayette County. I mean, they were, we didn't have that front end there. We had steps out there, and there's all over those steps out there. In that room, in that room over there, filled up there, we had two seats, two chairs in the aisles all the way back. Every, and have one seat on the, next to the wall on both sides. That was full. The choir loft was full. I even had them sitting in the baptistry. And you couldn't move on the pulpit. I had uh, uh, Ray, uh, no, Rex Hensley was going to preach for that youth fellowship, very wide youth fellowship. And I had to get him up there early because I would have never been able to get him up there. And, uh, well, I think Earl Thomas, uh, you're going to bring the law down on you, Brother Gum. I said, can't help it, brother. Can't help it. Glad to have them all. Anyway. Uh, I don't know what he thought I could do about it. I got all these people, I'm going, get out of here. No, it wasn't in me. Had some old women here that, from the church. One of them was going, I wouldn't put up with all these people for them. I said, you know what, if I'd had that thought, I'd have kept it to myself. I'd have been ashamed to say that. We'll lose our country atmosphere. I said, praise God, we need to get it out of here as quick as we can get it out that door. If that's what a country atmosphere is. Anyway, I was all proud of it. But anyway, we had a big crowd. Finally, Satan got into it, worked it all. and They started receiving church members, disciplined church members from different churches. And I can name every one of them that did it. And it finally broke the fellowship, destroyed the fellowship. And anyway, uh, some were of Paul and some of Apollos. Who are they, Paul and Apollos? Now, Paul is talking about himself. The great apostle Paul, he said, who are we? 
but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. He didn't take the credit for that. We're just doing what God called us to do. And he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And that's the way it still is. So then neither is he that planteth. Paul planted, he said. But neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. I'm no better than than the other ones. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You all are God's husbandry. You are God's building. This is God's work. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Now, that indicates that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So he is the master builder. He spread, he took the gospel and church truth out to the Gentile nations. So he's a wise master builder. He said, I've laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. You can't go out and do it any way you want to or any way you devise. It's got to be done according to God's word. In verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid or that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, I've done this several times, getting that. Jesus Christ is not the foundation of our salvation. And now hold on. They won't throw me, throw me out for saying that. But I mean just exactly that. Jesus Christ is not the foundation of our salvation. He is our salvation, lock, stock, and barrel. But Jesus Christ is the foundation of his church. And that's what Paul is talking about, wise master builder, and let every man be careful how he builds. For Jesus, if you build on any other foundation than this one, you're building wrong. All right? So he's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about church. Church truth. And that leads us to the next verse. Now if any man build upon this foundation, you do not build upon your salvation. Your salvation is complete in Christ. We are not building on our salvation. Completely rule that out. My salvation is all lock, stock, and barrel in Jesus Christ, his person, and his finished work of redemption. It has nothing to do with me. But if any man build upon this foundation, the foundation of his church, gold, silver, precious stones, those are in a class all their own. That's good stuff. Wood, hay, stubble. 
in a class all their own. Not good stuff. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It's all about church truth and your work building the Lord's churches. And the Lord's going to judge us. Not to determine whether we go to heaven or hell. That's already passed. If you're in Christ, it's been judged. Our salvation is free and clear in Christ. But our work after that, that's what's going to be judged. And so your work's going to be gold, silver, precious stones. Fire doesn't hurt them. Fire purifies them. But now what does fire do to wood, hay, and stubble? Destroys it. So if your works are in that first category, you'll receive reward. But if they're in that second second class, he says every man's, verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, brought forth. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Everyone, every one of us is going to have it. If any man's work abide, remains, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. I don't believe the doctrine of rewards. Well, I do. <clears throat> if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So you're talking about the judgment seat of Christ here. Lost people won't be there. Only saved people will be. And what will be judged is their work. And what will happen, if your work remains, it's good work, you'll receive reward. If it doesn't, you'll receive loss of reward, but you don't lose your salvation. Well, I'll be happy with that. Well, I don't know why you would be. Why? Is that what you want to do for the Lord? Nothing? All your works to be burned up? We'll quit now.